Praise the Lord. It's exciting. It's exciting. I want you to open your Bible with me in Genesis chapter 37. I just want to read a few verses. And I want to share with you just some thoughts on this theme, King's Dream. King's Dream. And uh, we're just talking some other aspects about kings in these coming weeks. But you're called to be a king. How many knew that? You're called to be a king. You're called to be a king. You are one. It's just a matter of knowing that you are, knowing that you are who God says you are. He says you're a royal priesthood. You can't be royal unless you belong to a royal family. So when you and I were born again into the family of God, we became royalty, kingly seed, the seed of our father, king of kings, is within us. When you're born again, you're born by the Word of God. His Spirit comes in. There's a DNA implanted in you and I, and we become kingly. Trouble is, catching up with who we are now we're in Christ. We tend to live like we used to live, like slaves. I want to talk about that and help us in this area. So I thought I would start with the area of King's dream. What is the dream you have in your heart? So we read in Genesis 37, and uh, there was a man by the name of Joseph. Joseph was 17 years old and was feeding the flock with his brothers. And it says, verse 3, now Joseph, Israel loved Joseph more than all his sons. He was the son of his old age, youngest boy. And he made him a tunic of many colors. And when his brothers saw that the father loved him more than all his brothers, they hated him and couldn't speak peaceably to him. So you can see it's not a very happy environment that Joseph's in. Everyone hates him and they can't speak nicely to him at all. Now Joseph had a dream. Now Joseph had a dream. And there's where it all changes. Joseph was the youngest in the family. He was the hated one, despised one by his brothers, but favored by his fathers. But Joseph had a dream. Dreams and visions are the language of the Spirit. God wants to give you dreams and visions. He wants you to be dreamers, visionary. Every one of the body of Christ can be visionary. Why? Because it says in Acts chapter 2 that this uh, anointing of the Holy Ghost shall be poured out upon all flesh. And, all, and it says, and your sons and daughters shall prophesy. And then it talks, they shall see visions. Young men shall see visions. Old men shall dream dreams. So God's plan is his body, no matter how old we are, young we are, that we would engage the supernatural realm and have dreams and visions that we would have experiences that open our insight and understanding beyond what we live with. Everyone needs a dream and a vision. Dreams have to do with possibilities. How many know that movie, The Bucket List? He said, that was a great movie, wasn't it, eh? I was just talking to Andy Lowe, and he said, I'm just ticking something off my bucket list this weekend. I said, what's that? And he said, well, I'm going down to, 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 uh, to be a passenger or a, or a pilot or whatever it is in, in the Targa Rally. And I said, have you ever done that before? He said, no, I've never done it before. He said, well, what do you have to do? And he said, well, someone told me to bring nappies <laughs> and a sick bag. He said, because it's scary. But he said, I've got it on my bucket list. I want to make sure I get it done before I die. And that's just a very simple thing. It's about having a dream of something you want to get done in your life so you don't let your life get frittered away and eaten up day by day, one day at a time. Every one of us needs dreams. Every one of us needs visions. Every one of us as believers need to have, op have things in the future we're looking forward to and planning for and preparing for. 
not just existing, not just living as we are. There needs to be dreams, dreams and desires of the heart. I'll share about some of these things in the weeks to come, how you can access that and some of the mindsets you've got to break to break free into this area. So God wants us to have that. And interestingly about the, the thing about kings is that God has called kings to be fruitful. God calls every person not only to be a king, but to be a fruitful and productive king. So when you look at the beginning of, uh, of uh, Joseph in Genesis 30, uh, verse 22 to 24, when Rachel, his mother, conceived and brought him forth, she said, I'm going to give him a name. I'm going to call him Joseph. Why? Two reasons. One is God has removed my reproach. And two, he will add to me. And so the very same thing applies to us. God, jo Joseph had a destiny inscribed at his birth in his very name. And it was that the reproach was taken away. The reproach of being unproductive and unfruitful is taken away. And through this son, there will be much added. And this is exactly the same. When you got born again, when you were born again as a Christian, God put his spirit in, then the reproach of Adam failing, sinning and falling, of a king living in defeat is broken. And now God has a king emerging into the earth in you who's called to be fruitful. Jesus said in John 15, he said, he said I have not you've not chosen me, I chose you to bring forth fruit. And fruit that remains. And it remains through remaining in Him. So we're called to be fruitful, an overflow of a life that comes connected with God. Most believers do not accomplish or fulfill their potential. And one of the reasons is a lack of vision and dream to accomplish something with your life. And the other is a lack of connecting to the source the one who can empower you to fulfill that dream. We, you know that we focus and talk so often about spirit life, the life of the spirit. Why? Because there is a dimension of God life unless you are connected to Him and stay connected and the life is flowing. You can't produce the fruit of heaven in your life. We, you'll hear us in the church talk about restoration retreats and freedom retreats and things like that. It's not just something we do. It's to unlock the baggage and the bondage so kings can dream and connect and begin to fulfill their destiny. It's not just something you go to. It's a part of you owning, I have a destiny as a king to accomplish something. And I need to be free of the baggage. I don't understand why people stay in a Holy Ghost church like this and still don't open up their heart to let their lives be sorted out. It's a total paradox, really. It's quite strange. I don't understand it at all. However, around the world, people hunger for it everywhere we go. Lynn goes out, people draw by the crowds to get what she has. Ian goes out, people draw by the crowds to get what he has. I go out, people draw in the crowds to get it. Celebrities come together. Businessmen come together. They see something that can unlock the dream in their life. Set them on a course to serve God and be free. So here's the thing. Kings dream. Kings have dreams. Do you have dreams? What are your dreams? What have you written down about your future? What are the hopes? What are the aspirations? And if you have none, don't be condemned. There'll be some reasons for it. And in these coming weeks, we hope to unlock it so that you begin to start to reach out and dream.
If all your dreams have been dashed and you've lost any hope of dreaming, we want to see in these coming weeks if you would break out of that and begin to dare to dream again and then begin to start to talk about your dream. But King's dream, King's dream, God is able to do more exceedingly abundantly than we ask or think or ask or dream. In other words, God has got much more for us, but we have to position ourselves before Him, asking, pursuing, and then allowing Him to change how we think. You keep thinking the same thoughts, you'll live the same life. So it's about our thinking, where your mind goes, what's occupying your attention. If it's filled up with games, if it's filled up with internet, if it's filled up with television, filled up with all these things, it is stealing your life and your potential. We have to understand you've only got one life to live. A bucket list, it caught on so much, it kind of captured people. To, because what it did was, and I, I love the films, one of the best films I've ever seen. It was a great film. And it had such a touching in it. I cried. I cried. I tell you now, it was touching. I thought, I wonder why I cried. I realized because there's something, an eternal message in it. You've only got so much time and then it's over. Make good use of the time you've got. It's the one thing you can never replace. You can replace everything else around you except people and time. So we have to value those things. So we need to dream. So the, the movie caught on because this guy had a list of all of these things, and they were not quite fulfilled the way they thought. Like the guy dreamed of kissing the most beautiful woman in the world. He had something in his mind what that might be, and it turned out he was restored in his relationship with his estranged daughter and kissed her the most beautiful woman in the world. So sometimes dreams don't quite work out, especially God dreams. Oh, God dreams never work out quite like you think. Oh my, you, and that's what happened to Joseph. Now he had this dream. And so kings dream. We need to dream. And what did he dream of? You know what kings dream of? Increasing a kingdom. They, they dream of dominion. They dream of expanding their influence. So what did he dream of? Well, he dreamed, this is what he dreamed. And it says, and he told the brothers his dream. He said, now listen to the dream. Please listen to my dream. This is what I've dreamed. There I, we were binding the sheaves in the field, and my sheaf rose and stood upright. And your, your sheaves stood up also, but they bowed down to my sheaf. <laughs> that was a really nice dream. He was very happy about that dream, especially if you're the youngest in the family, and they don't speak nicely to you. And he comes out, and you can almost catch the, 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 the king inside him, you know. Oh, we all had sheaves, but yours bowed down to mine. And they hated him. So he had another one. And the brothers said, shall you reign over us and have dominion over us? And they hated him for the dreams and hated him for the words. But he dreamed another dream. Told it to his brother, look, I dreamed another dream. The sun, the moon, and the 11 stars all bowed down to me. And he told his father, and his father told him off. So dreamers don't necessarily have a very good time when you start to share the dream. God told me I'd do this. Who do you think you are? That's what goes on. So he had a dream. He dreamed of dominion. That's what kings dream of. They dream of a future different to what is here. A, a future shaped by the words of God. Now your, your future is shaped by your own desires perhaps, or it's shaped by the opinions of people, or maybe it's shaped by your past. Well, I've got no education. I can't get anywhere. Who told you that lie? So there are many things. Oh, well, we're poor. We've always been poor. My family's always been poor. Or I've had this bad background. I've been abused in the background. And oh, I have no education. All of this, this is all junk and rubbish. 
But what does God say that would frame your future? You see, God, everything, the world that came into being was framed or constructed by the Word of God spoken forth. But before God spoke it forth, He dreamed it. So we need, we're creative, we're like God in that sense, we've got creativity. So we need to dream. You need to position yourself for dreams. You begin to start to think, what is it that God hasn't put in my heart for my future? What is it that you know, stirs my passion? What is it I, could, I wouldn't want to die without doing it? What is it that really stirs me? And then you, it, you know, a lot of people just get too busy to stop and ask the question. But you need to, because you only have one life and it's going. Tick, 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 tick. Just like that. It's, and you don't know when it runs out. So the dream is what begins to cause us to think about the future and gives us hope and inspiration and desire and longing, and it keeps us with a forward focus, keeps us looking to God. So it gets focused. So kings must speak their vision. Kings declare their vision. Notice he told his brother. Now, you've got to be careful who you speak it to. You speak your dream to the wrong person, they'll leap on you and smash and crush the dream into the ground and powder it because your dream threatens them. Who do you think you are? Why should you dream like that? Why should you be like that? What they really mean is, well, I'm not going to be like that, and neither will you be. It's like crabs in a bucket. No crab will ever get out if you've got crabs in a bucket. They all will pull the one. As soon as one climbs up and gets on top, the others pull him all down. And unfortunately, many people are like crabs in a bucket. I think New Zealand culture is a bit like crabs in a bucket. Someone climbs up and starts to look like they're getting out. We've got to find a way to pull them down. It's a ridiculous thing, isn't it? Now, but that's the, if that's the culture, you've got to find a way then how to guard the dream of your heart. But you still need to speak it. And there is a place to speak it. Every morning when you get up, there's a need to speak your dream, to speak it over your life, to speak the future, to speak what God says is true about you. That's how men of faith rise. That's how men grow to be strong in the Spirit. They don't just wait and say, oh God, what's today going to hold? Today is the day the Lord has made. Today is a good day. I command my day to line up with God's plan for my life. I take dominion over everything that the devil has cooked up against me. It shall not succeed. I call God's dream into being in my life. You've got to get assertive and get up there in the morning, you know, and shape your world before you go out to meet it. Demonic people have been up probably at midnight calling curses on you. And you wake up heavy and... <laughs> Come on, you've got to learn to rise and begin to speak the Word of God. That's how we begin to create and construct something about our future, see? The Bible says in Romans 4, 17, it says, God calls the things to be not as though they are. So every day, God, everyone who ever said to Abraham said, Abraham, father of nations. Yeah, that's me, father of nations. Abraham looked up every day and he saw every night and he saw the stars. Yes, children, children, many children. Then he looked down and he saw the sand. Many children, just like Brian. He looked at the pastor and there's seven kids. Look, many children. He looked at the seat. There's an empty seat, empty seat in the van. One more child, one more child, one more child. Child, there it is now. I called it into being. Just magically appeared, I'm sure. <laughs> now, you know it didn't magically appear. He had a vital part in it. Isn't that right? It doesn't. Dreams just don't happen, you know. You've got to do your part. See? Then the dream has got to be cooked up and prepared before it's delivered. This is true of all dreams. This is how it is. There we go. Okay, here's the last one I finish on. Kings prepare 
kings prepare. Ecclesiastes 5.3, it says a dream comes about through much activity, not through lots of talk. <laughs> it says, sergeants cracking up over <laughs> So, well, there's some people like to talk, and if you're prophetic, you probably like to talk a lot. But <laughs> you've got to get past the talk and doing something, you know. You know, all talk. You're just a talker. They say, oh, he's just a dreamer. Oh, great to have a dream, but your dream's got to find action. It's got to find a reality in it. And so we find, I'll just look at one part of, uh, of uh, just look over to Genesis 39, because I've run out of time. And I want to just give you three areas that actually Joseph was prepared in. The Bible says in Psalm 105, it says, until the time his word came, the word of the Lord tried him. So although he had a dream, there was a timing for the dream to be fulfilled, and there was a preparation before that timing came about. And you can delay the timing, you can miss your timing, but you have to be doing something before your dream is fulfilled. You want to dream to be a doctor? Well, you've got probably five to seven years of study and hard work. Then the dream is fulfilled. So whatever you want to do in life, life teaches us, have the dream, get a plan, stick with the plan and become big enough to fill that dream. Most people don't get big enough on the inside to fill the dream that God has. God's dream is a big dream. God's dream for your life is bigger than you can imagine, greater than you can imagine. So the problem is we're stuck with thinking too small and we're stuck with being too small and God wants to expand us. So when you start to get a dream in your life and begin to start to pray that dream into being and plan towards it, believe me, you are going to have to grow into it, become big enough to fill the dream. The problem is not the dream coming about. Mostly the problem is you getting big enough to fill it. So you get a businessman, and they want a great big business, and there's millions coming in. But are you big enough to run such a one? No. So you have to grow. You have to prepare. So people have the dream. but to, 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 You've got to grow. You have to grow into the dream. And God's, God, God always grows people into things. And what you're facing right now is God trying to get you to grow into your dream or into his dream for you. We don't always see it that way. So we do know the story of Joseph. He had a great dream. We're excited about the great dream. We identify with him being told off and rebuked and put down for his dream. But often what we don't realize is that he actually did something to fulfill the dream. He did something. He held a promise of God and grew through the difficult circumstances God took him through to prepare him. Let me give it to you quickly. Uh, in Genesis chapter 39, verse 2, verse 1, Joseph had gone down to Egypt. He was a slave in Egypt. He was stripped naked, put up in a box, sold in an auction to the highest bidder. That's not very nice. And uh, then, but he had a dream. He never let go of his dream. And so what happens, it says here, it says, the Lord was with Joseph. He was a successful man in the house of his master, the Egyptian. And the master saw the Lord was with him, and the Lord made all he did to prosper in his hands. And Joseph found favor in his sight and served him and made him an overseer of the house. In verse 5, it came from that time that he made him overseer of the house and all that he had. The Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake, and the blessing of the Lord was on all he had in the house and all he had in the field. Now, we could preach a message just on your role in the workplace of that one verse. The Egyptian representing an unsaved person and the Christian being a source of blessing to the business. Source of blessing to the community. 
God blessed the Egyptian because Joseph was there. Think about that. Now, that didn't just happen by chance either. Oh, well, that was Joseph. No, it was Joseph did some things. So here's, here's some of the things. See, Joseph was there, but Joseph was in the palace. A little bit later, he's in the prison. Now, here's the thing. He's in a palace and he prospers. He's in a prison and he prospers. And he is learning how to manage people at kingly level, governmental level. And he's learning how to deal with the lowest of society, the scum who are in prison. And in both places, he prospers. That's no accident. And he is learning. He's having to learn how to manage people at every strata of society. So God gives him a dose at the top and a dose at the bottom, and now he's, he's equipped to be able to manage and lead a country of people at every level, socially and financially in society. His prison experience, his Egyptian experience and prison experience was all part of preparing for the dream that God had for him. Maybe you feel you're in prison right now. Okay, what is it God wants you to learn? Don't stay in prison too long. Eh? I'll just finish it now. He grew in these things. Firstly, he grew in capacity. He grew in ability to live at a regal level, at a high society level. Many Christians can't handle it at all. They can't even talk or communicate with people who've got money because of what's in their own heart. Think about that. Makes them uncomfortable when someone's got money. Wealth. If God wants you to be able to live in there, serve in there, they would prosper because you're there. You would ask yourself, what makes me uncomfortable? That's what God wants you to grow in your capacity in so you can welcome people. One of the things I love about my son Dave is Dave can relate to people at every level. I've seen him. He's met with presidents. He's met with people top financially. He's met with people right down to people out of prison. And there isn't one that I don't find he can't connect with and talk with. Very few people can do that. You've got to be free inside of any envy of what they have. You have to have no agenda whatsoever, and people sense it. They sense it. So Joseph's preparation, first he grew in capacity. See? He grew in capacity. Now, how did he prosper? The Bible says how you prosper. You meditate in the Word of God, and you get to perform the Word of God, get to do it. That's what God told Joshua in Joshua 1.8. He said, you meditate in it, hold the Word in your mouth, do the Word of God, you'll prosper. And so he prospered. How did he prosper? Well, we look at it and we interpret it. Oh, he just had a lucky break. God blessed him because God wanted to do it, but he doesn't do that for me. No, this is a principle. You're a king. You're called in a kingly calling. And God will prosper if you do what other people do that prosper. Okay, the second thing he did is he grew in character. He had to grow in character. Character is what you are when no one's looking. Character what you are when no one sees. Had to grow in character. He had some huge issues to face. Hatred of his brothers, injustice, betrayal by his brothers, sold as a slave, uh, as an object of meat, uh, just a piece of meat down on a slave market, bitter words spoken to him, betrayal, injustice, thrown into jail on a false rape charge when he'd stood up for what was right, uh, temptation, uh, ingratitude by those he helped, delays. He had to face all of those things. They sound familiar to you? That's how it's called God's training process for kings. And what did he come out with? When he emerged at the end, when his time came, he showed great grace to his brothers. Don't worry. It wasn't you sent me. God sent me beforehand. He showed huge grace. He showed generosity. 
I'm here to provide for you. Provide for the people who were bitter and hated him and put him down and then betrayed him. That's generosity and grace. That's a great, great character quality. I don't find many Christians have that. They find that hard. Hard to be kind and gracious to people that have hurt them. To bless people. So, too small to be great. You understand what I'm saying? We have to grow. These things come to grow kings. You're a king in growth. What did he show? He showed strength. You've got to be strong to handle that kind of pressure of being betrayed, of being falsely accused, thrown to the bottom of a jail, and you know you did right, treated and chained like a scum at the bottom part of the jail, and then still serve and work your way up until you're in charge and everyone trusts you and loves you, believes in you. Tremendous internal strength. Strength of character. Determined. This prison that I'm in right now, I might be chained up. Everyone says I was guilty of rape. They want to take me and cut me up or cut parts off or take my head off or something. But listen, God said it's different. I got a better future than this. It does not end here. I'm only in the middle of the story. He doesn't end there. It ends when God has fulfilled His Word in my life. And when the time came, the Word of the Lord was fulfilled. But before that, it was always something. This is how the Word of God tries you. You see it, but then everything in front of you is different. Then what you got in the X starts to come up. He showed great faith. Finally, he grew in faith. He held on to the Word of God. Genesis 49 tells us, Joseph. Now, this is the blessing of Joseph. This is what was on his life. Joseph is a fruitful bough. Planted by a well. Ha, ha, ha. Now we begin to discover how he could do it. He had a well of life that came out of relationship with the Spirit of God. Whose branches go over the wall. In other words, he was always reaching to be bigger. Could never be contained. Since the archers shot at him and sorely wounded him. But his strength, his strength remained. It says, his arms remained strong and his bow was strong. In other words... He could shoot words too, but he didn't shoot bitter words. He shot, shot words of faith, words of blessing. In the midst of adversity, his strength remained because God strengthened him. God helped him when everything around him was bad to hold the vision, to speak it, until his words that he spoke his bow was strong. No matter what anyone did to him, his confession was strong. His testimony was strong. He fired words out knowing those words will not return empty. I shall arise. I shall come into dominion. I shall come to the throne. I shall come out in the calling of God. I will arise to fulfill the destiny. His bow was strong. Huh? That's your bow. Your mouth. The words, the arrows. To find the strength to praise God and declare God's word instead of filling your mouth with negatives and complaints and difficulties and obstacles and whatever like they did in the wilderness and fell there. So the time came and Joseph came out. And what a generous man he was. Well, brothers, I know you betrayed me. I know you sold me out. I know you're feeling bad. He said, listen, don't feel bad. It wasn't you. I see now the hand of God shaping a king. And I'm, I'm going to tell you something. God has positioned me to provide for you. That's what kings do. Kings dream. Kings declare. Kings prepare. 
and then kings are generous. You a king? Well, you are. But will you live up to who you are or below who you are? Will you live like a servant who's not enough and always complains and has no dream? Or will you live as a king? Begin to dream, begin to declare, begin to prepare, and begin to generously give. You have to choose. Father God, we thank you that in this house are many kings in the making. We thank you, Lord, that that anointing, that royal anointing of the Holy Ghost, that anointing that was on Jesus, who is called King of Kings. Lord, we thank you that anointing has come upon us, calling us to arise and to learn how to walk as royalty in the earth. Today, we declare, O God, kings in the house are arising. Today, we thank you that just as Ian and Kay are emerging globally, kings hidden in the house over many years. We thank you today that there are hidden in the house other kings, other kings who will emerge and arise in these coming days to take the gospel in the mighty power of God to our community, to our nation, to nations of the earth. We thank you that there are kings in the business field, kings in education, kings in the marketplace, kings arising in the midst. Lord, we hear the shout of our king in our midst. Rise and shine, for thy light has come, and the glory of the Lord is rising upon you. Lord, we rise to that sound in Jesus' mighty name, and we declare, you reign. You reign, O God. Come on, let's stand to our feet. Let's begin to sing that song. You reign over all the earth. Make it the declaration, because you and I are united with him, and if he reigns, we reign with him.